0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Industry Seating. It is Sunday, March 21st. I just got back from Arlington. I've been gone for 10 days, 11 days. I don't know, too many days. Very excited to be home. Got a little nap. Uh, actually left my hotel this morning, Dallas, Dallas local time at 3, 3.30 a.m., and that was after, uh, you know, not getting back to the hotel till, I don't know, 10.30 so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely feeling it today. That's okay though. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast: Pirelli Tires, Pump Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, Bunzo Oils, Risk Racing, Premier Vapor Blasting, Pro Glow Wash. Who I will have an exclusive interview with, uh, Ryan Humphrey from Pro Glow later today. That'll be inserted into this podcast. Grant Stone Boots, Six Twelve Suspension, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all those, and I will hand out those promo codes. orally, I guess uh later on in the show so when you make your purchasing decision you can save yourself some money as for the racing you know this arlington three racetrack was so much better than the prior two and i say that trying to give credit where it's due because those of you that follow along on twitter you saw that i was i was giving some some flack to the track for arlington one and two i didn't like it i thought it was unimaginative Uh, There was zero passing to really speak of. I just didn't think much thought was put into it. And I I thought that was represented in the racing that we were, uh, I want to say blessed with, but I guess not blessed with. It just wasn't great. Uh, It wasn't a competitive racetrack. Like you really had to go in and make contact to make passing. And there wasn't really anything you could come up with. If you were trying to look for an alternative line or an alternative rhythm section, you were just kind of, out of luck on that front. And then you go into Arlington three and you get everything that I could ask for. You get big jumps, you get all kinds of different options through the rhythm lanes, you get really difficult whoops, just all the things that I want. So congrats. And I don't believe it's ever fair to criticize if you're not going to compliment when things are done well. So great job to Dirtworks. Great job to the Feld crew, whoever is involved putting that racetrack together because that's what we're looking for. That's what we want. Challenge the riders, make the tracks difficult. These guys are incredibly skilled and talented. They can handle it. And unfortunately, if guys crash and get hurt in the process, that's just what supercross is. Unfortunately, that's, that's a part of the game. Don't dumb down the tracks and tame them down trying to protect them because things happen in motorcycle racing. You're, You're only going to up the speeds and guys are going to override the tracks. If you make them easy and guys crash in that scenario too, at least if you make the tracks really difficult, the riders have to respect the track and the speeds come down because they know they can't just blitz through everything wide open. They have to actually uh, pay attention to their landing spots and, and hit their marks exactly right. So that's my thoughts on it. I I just thought they nailed it. And I, I wanted to make mention of that because I don't, I'm not a big guy that harps on things and really takes people to task on things. Uh, that's more kind of Steve Mathis style, but I did that a little bit and I want to make sure that when it goes the other way that I, uh, yeah, I give credit there. As for the 250 racing, Justin Cooper got it done. Did he not? I've been calling for him to win for a while. He has not been getting it done. He's been kind of letting this series slip through his fingers a little bit and he went out and won the race. Now, was it some sort of dominant runaway victory no it wasn't and that and that's that's what Orlando was And that's what I expected him to do throughout the series because I really thought he was the best guy in the class by quite a bit now Hunter Lawrence and Cameron McAdoo and Seth Hammerkin these guys should be commended because it seems like they have a lot more to offer to you know be competitive with Justin Cooper than what I thought so good for them although Justin Cooper did go out and get the win Made up some points, and uh, yeah, I still think this is his championship to lose. But having said that, you know, McAdoo was very close. McAdoo actually closed in on Justin Cooper a few times, which that's great. That that really shows a lot of you know light at the end of the tunnel as far as being able to beat him straight up, and that's what it's going to come down to in my opinion. If you want to be the champ, you're you are going to get opportunities to go beat the guy that your rival heads up. And in those moments, you have to do that. Now, Cameron wasn't able to do it this time, but again, he's going to get several more opportunities. And in those moments, we are going to see who deserves to be champion and maybe who doesn't. Now, as for your red plate holder, that was Hunter Lawrence going in. And, you know, I had more questions than answers for Hunter. He did a great job. I mean, getting the, getting the red plate and being a, a race winner and points leader was not something that I saw happening for Hunter Lawrence this year. wasn't honestly wasn't even close. So he's already exceeded my expectations for him this year, which I, I know were incredibly important to him, right? But I was nervous about him handling the pressure, being able to rise up to the expectations that he had set. Now based off of his success at Arlington, too, and. Unfortunately, we saw a big crash. You know, the net really saved him. So kudos to the crew for having that net there. Kudos to Steve for the idea. Uh, but man, he he definitely gave up points there. He was able to rally. I think he still got fifth place. I should be looking at the results, but I'm not. I'm pretty sure he still got fifth in the race, which did save him. But man, that's the kind of stuff that I was worried about from him. Because if you've seen him ride Supercross, it's, it's really erratic at times. Really fast, but also has some moments, you know, his Salt Lake run last year really kind of turned me off to what to expect from him in supercross. And maybe that was unfair. Maybe I jumped to conclusions leaving Salt Lake city last summer, but I just didn't like anything that I saw. And I kind of expected more of that this year. He's been much better than that, but again, he has that big crash. And instead of really solidifying that points lead, he kind of goes the opposite direction, and, uh, you know, thankfully it could have been much, much worse, and uh, he's uh, he's still right there, right? It's anybody's championship with, with uh, a few races to go. He's right there, but could you imagine if he'd gone out and, and won another one? You know, what he could have been able to do to these guys mentally? It's easier said than done, and Justin Cooper got the whole shot and really kind of never looked back, but we'll see how Hunter responds. You know, the, these guys are going to go into – a couple of weekends off, and you know I think there's going to be a little bit of a push and pull on what their uh, what their time allows for because the teams are going to be wanting to do motocross testing. A lot of the focus and shift will be to motocross testing. But if you're Justin Cooper, McAdoo, uh, if you're Hunter Lawrence, and and a lot of the 450 guys, we'll get into your mind and your thought process is still going to very much be on the supercross series because there's hundreds of thousands of dollars up for grabs. And yes, motocross is incredibly important. And in a month or two months, let's say two months from now, no one's going to care about supercross anymore, but right now it's what matters. And I put myself in these guys shoes. You know, if, if I was entering this two week break, most guys will be doing their motocross testing. And I had this in my notes to talk about later in the podcast, but I'm just going to do it right here because I think that 450 and 250, they will be doing lots and lots of motocross riding. This first week coming up, absolutely will be full of motocross. Next week will be full of motocross. Maybe they get a couple of days off in there to try to recharge the batteries. And then I would guess that a couple of them will ride supercross a day or two leading into Atlanta. But if you're out of the championship hunt, if you're, let's say Seth Hamaker, if you're especially the 450 guys, uh, anybody that's really not a championship contender, Aaron Plessinger, Dylan Ferrandis, anybody who's had a tough time really stacking a championship run here, you're going to be very motocross biased. You're going to be trying to look towards the summer. as like, okay, now I got to prepare for motocross. This is where I can really get ahead of the game put in the extra testing time while my rivals like Cooper Webb and or Ken Roxon and maybe Eli Tomac are going to still be pounding out Supercross motos. I personally would have still been riding a lot of Supercross. I, I kind of always did to my own detriment for motocross, but the way things work, Supercross just paid a lot more money and there was a lot more notoriety and a lot more, uh, just if I did well in supercross, that went a lot further than if I did a lot, than if I did well in motocross, you know, with the team, with sponsors. So I just kind of hung in there on supercross. I just kept putting in motos and putting in motos, and then I would let motocross take care of itself. You know, if I had to ride a day or two of motocross, sure, you know, we'd do some suspension testing, get a little bit of a feel for it. But I would use this time to really try to raise my game for that next last push into the final supercross rounds, because as those riders shift away from supercross, if I could, if I could push even harder for supercross, I could really come out with some strong finishes down the stretch. And I just saw it as a huge opportunity to take advantage of guys letting their minds shift away from supercross, right? If they just took some of the emphasis away from it, maybe that would give me an opportunity to improve two, three, four positions in the final few rounds. And that was something that I couldn't Turn away as far as an opportunity, where other guys maybe are like, yeah, well, if I do really well in motocross, that's gonna be more important. My supercross season's already shot. I kind of viewed it flip side of that where I'm gonna try to capitalize on that opportunity. And it, it would cost me the first few rounds of motocross, and I, I think you see that with the championship level guys. I think you saw that with Cooper Webb uh, in the 2019 series. I think you saw that with Eli Tomac in the 2020 series. The guys that are really focused on Supercross in the last few rounds, they suffer a little bit in the first few rounds of motocross because their mind has not been on it. They haven't been testing as much. They haven't been motoing down in a motocross setting because there's so much on the line for Supercross. And then the other guys, the guys that are, have kind of counted themselves out, they do prepare. They really go in hard like Zach Osborne last year. He was He was certainly working towards getting that final Supercross win in Salt Lake. But he was really thinking about motocross. I mean, those guys were putting in the work to try to go be Lucas Pro motocross champion, and you saw exactly how that turned out. So there's a lot of push and pull. Very, you know, I'm getting long-winded there, but I think it's important to kind of analyze the thought process that goes into uh, what these guys have to deal with as far as the mental game, the preparation side, what the teams want them to do versus what may be their personal priority. Those Those two things don't always have to be in lockstep. You know, the, the team may be like, hey, we gotta get these parts ordered, we gotta get the testing done. And a rider's like, Yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get to that. But I need to put in some supercross motos because I can make crazy amounts of money in short amount of time if I'm over prepared for these last few rounds. Don't forget, you know, a supercross win for the top guys. Like let's let's take Aaron Plessinger for example. He's been right there, right? He's been steadily improving. We're going into these Atlanta rounds that are going to be at a speedway, which seem to work for him. You know, look how good he was at Daytona. If he go out, went out and and say he went, he got his first win ever at one of the rounds, which is not far fetched. Look how good he was at that Daytona round. He was catching Tomac. Let's say he gets a win and a third and another third. Right, that wouldn't be too far out of bounds. It's unlikely to get two podiums and a win, or two thirds and a win. I'll give you that. But let's just say in some crazy world he did that. That's probably worth I'm gonna say two hundred grand to, to Aaron Plessinger to to pull that off. Maybe more. Maybe more than that. That's worth uh that's worth prioritizing Supercross, right? Outdoors just doesn't pay quite as much. Uh it do, it is well, it's lucrative to do well outdoors, but Supercross is where the big dollars are. And and I think some of these guys would be well served to keep that in mind and keep that opportunity right at the forefront of their minds as we, uh, as we kind of wind this series down a little bit. Next up, let's talk about these power rankings, right? The, you know, these power rankings don't mean anything, you know, no one really cares, but for me, they give me a place to bounce off of my talking points and kind of keep me structured a little bit. And it's also nice to see how guys are trending, right? Trend up, trend down based off of, uh, the most recent results, that they have. Before we do, I want to mention Pirelli tires. These guys are, uh, they're really finding their footing with uh, with a lot of the privateers out there. We're getting ready to uh, get back into some MXGP racing too, but it, like, let's say Garrett Marchbanks, right? He's been a podium level guy in the 250 class. He's using Pirelli tires. Mitchell Oldenburg stepped in for uh, Justin Brayton on the, the 450 as Brayton had that injury on Tuesday using Pirelli tires. So go check those guys out. Go to at Pirelli MX and go to uh, PirelliMX.com to check out what Pirelli can do for you. Pump Creek Funding, uh, some, some big news as far as the Federal Reserve goes this week. They basically, I don't want to say promise because they can change their mind at any time, but they made it a priority to not raise interest rates until 2023. Now, what does that mean for you? That means you have some time. That means that we probably won't see that that uh, mortgage interest rate creep back up in the, you know, it's it, it's in the threes now for the, the 30 year, but you won't see it back into that 4%, 5% that is more the norm. We probably won't see that until 2023. So that gives you time to get your ducks in a row, figure out if you want to refinance your house, buy a new house. Maybe you live in an urban setting, live downtown somewhere and you're like, eh, I don't know about all this. I don't have to work in the office anymore sure would be nice to be out on some land somewhere where I could mountain bike and ride and do things like that. And that's, that's really happening all over the country right now. If you follow any of the data, people are leaving the big city because they can work, you know, they have the option to work from home right now. So that gives you the option to get in on a great interest rate and lock that in for 30 years. And if you are fortunate enough to be able to afford a 15 year, you're like 2.6%, something like that, like crazy rates. So reach out to Zach Morris. Uh, his number is 720-212-4685. And you can check out um, at Plum Creek Funding uh, on Instagram to learn a bit, a little bit more too. Guts Racing. Thank those guys for coming on board. Go check out their website. They have all kinds of customizable things you can do for your motorcycle, customizable seat, customizable graphics, and just a really cool company. Andy Gregg and the guys over there. They are so moto, you know, they sponsor a ton of race teams. So, you know, you're getting that high quality product that you're looking for and you can really get creative. I mean, Sky's the limit on what you can design and dial in your motorcycle because we're going into riding season. You know, I'm sitting here in Boise, the sun's out. It's a little bit colder than I would prefer, but I'm looking forward to seeing some sixties pop up next weekend on the, uh, on the old temperature gauge. And that's going to want me to, it's going to, I don't want to say force me, but it's going to encourage me to get out and do some bicycling, get out, you know, I got to go get my motorcycle from Chris Kiefer. Maybe he'll let me do some custom graphics on my bike. So I'll be reaching out to uh, the folks at guts, guts racing too. Now in your 10th spot for this week's power ranking, I have Dylan Ferrandis, and it has not been easy for Ferrandis lately. If you've been watching him, there's been a ton of crashes. You know, he, he got taken out at, uh, at Arlington one, much to the chagrin of my fantasy team. But he bounced back this weekend, a, a solid ride. And I have him in this top 10. Even maybe his results shouldn't have him there, but he's going fast. If you watch him ride, the speed is not the issue. And he got a 10th place at Arlington. You're at a top 10 at Arlington 3, which kind of made it easy on me. But I, I still think we're going to see some sort of flash from Ferandes, uh before this thing's over. He's just simply too good to not show us something. Ninth place, I have Dean Wilson. And I don't know what to make of Dean's season. You know, he got great starts. Uh, what was that? Arlington. Was that one or two? I don't know. They're all running together at this point. But the the one race he hole-shotted, uh, his heat race and the main event. I want to say it was Arlington one. That was pretty impressive. That's, that's not the norm for Dino. And he's been kind of bouncing right inside, you know, the back of that top ten. Riding pretty well. He's not crashing, which is good. But... I would like to see a little bit more flash from him. You know, when he when he gets that start and he gets an opportunity like that, I'd like to see him mix it up in the top three, top five for half the race. I know it's difficult to stay there. You know, Roxen and Webb and Tomac and these guys are, are firing on all cylinders. Like, they are really riding well, and they have every aspect of their game super tight at the moment. But for Dean, if he has aspirations of being with those guys for 21 minutes, you've got to start somewhere, right? You've got to be able to do it for three laps, five laps, 10 laps, and just work towards it. And I know I'm I'm preaching to the choir, right? It's not like he doesn't understand that. I'm just saying, those are the things that I want to see from Dino. If if he's really going to take that next step and become one of those contenders. Remember he's raced with all these guys for a long time, right? He and Tomac were bitter rivals and it was like, who's going to beat who is Dean going to be Tomac. Is Tomac going to be Dino. Like you remember the takeout at Seattle where Dino, you know, his shoulder got jacked up because Tomac knocked him down. Like same thing with Barsha. You go back to 2011 seasons and Barsha and, and Dino were bitter rivals, taking each other out all the time. So this isn't the, these guys aren't anybody new for Dino to be dealing with. It just seems like they've they've upped their game a little bit. They've left him behind a little bit. And it's not a drastic difference, but on the results column there is a marked difference there between where Dino's at and where those guys are at. Number 8 Mookie and Man, Mookie had a dreadful Arlington 1 and 2. This round bounced back a little bit. Not too bad. He wasn't in the mix like I would want to see. You know, he wasn't flashing and getting hole shots and and really making uh, himself known. But a sixth place in the main event is not terrible. It's okay. It's kind of where he's been all year. You know, if if he doesn't crash, if he doesn't have an incident, that sixth place kind of has his name on it. So not a bad ride from Mookie. Uh, and the only reason I have him at eight here is because those first two Arlington rounds were so bad. You know, big crashes, tries to take out Anderson. That didn't work. He ends up, you know, flying off the track. And then uh, Arlington two, kind of the same thing. Just crashes were, uh, were the theme. So a nice bounce back ride for a sixth place. I still, I still want to see Mookie get a whole shot and really show us what he's got. And I just don't know what the ceiling is anymore. I used to know. And it was, he could go as fast as anybody on a motorcycle, I just don't know that that's where he is or if he's willing to take those chances. And I would say it's probably the latter. I think he's just kind of governing himself because he doesn't want to hit the ground. He, he wants to finish these series and he wants to stay healthy. Totally, totally understandable. Uh, but it, it's definitely a different Mookie than what we're used to. Number seven, I have AP7. And he's really gotten better, man. If you re- If you go back and look, you could kind of see it coming even before Daytona, his Orlando rounds, he was improving. Daytona was obviously great. I mean, he was at one point, I thought he was going to go win the race and he's just been getting better and better. He wins those heat races in Arlington. He's battling for podiums, battling for top fives, qualifying better, racing better. Uh, so I kind of like everything I'm seeing from Plessinger, you know, this race wasn't as good. He was ninth and he got passed uh, you know, Ferrandis passed him, Mookie passed him. So I'm sure he wasn't thrilled with that ninth place finish, but it wasn't awful either. You know, every night's not going to be great. I just am happy to see steady improvement and an upward trajectory from, from, uh, from AP, because this is a critical year, you know, it's his contract year and you need to give hope to those that are writing the checks because a ride like he's got, you know, monster star Yamaha, that's a really coveted full factory ride. So he needs to be putting in results like this to, uh, to encourage that next contract. Number six, I have chase Sexton, man, what a crash. (laughs) That was a big one, uh, at Arlington three. But if you look at the two rounds prior to that, you could just see how much better he's getting. You know, I, I was calling for a podium to come soon. You could just feel it building up to it. But I think the, the bigger point here is you—it's just a learning process on this 450. If you look at Dylan Ferrandis' season, if you look at Chase Sexton's, uh, you know we're a little past halfway of the season. He's been marred by injury. It's been marred by crashes. Same thing for Dylan Ferrandis. It just takes time, regardless of how fast you are. It's not about talent. It's not about speed. It's only about a learning process for these guys, and you can just see it. You can see it in the crashes. You can see it in the results. You can see the bike isn't as forgiving as the 250. When you push the edge, when you're really at your best on the 450, it it will bite you, you know, and you have to push. If you want to go up there and battle with those guys, Webb and those guys, which Sexton and those guys are. Look at Sexton passing Webb in the heat race. That's the highest level there is right now. The problem is it takes time to learn how to sustain that over the course of 17 rounds. You know, Webb and Tomac and Roxen and these guys, they have mastered it. They've been doing this a long time. They have multiple seasons under their belt in the 450 class. Look how tough it was for Webb on the Yamaha his first few years. He was nowhere near the level that he is now. So I think you're going to see Sexton there in a couple years. I think you'll see him winning races and he'll be a championship contender. It just takes time to learn. Look at Adam Cincirillo, right? He's in his second full 450 season. He's still undergoing these growing pains. The bike will bite you. It just doesn't, it doesn't forgive mistakes like a 250 will. And it, it just takes time to learn it, you know, and, and some guys will never learn. It's just going to always be a part of their repertoire of racing that the 450s, they're going to have more crashes than they did on the 250. But for the greats, for the guys that you see with, you know, number one plates hanging in their, in their uh, shop when, once they're retired, they do figure it out. They, they sort out how to manage risk on the 450. We'll, so we'll see. I, I believe we'll see that happen for Sexton, uh, but just not quite yet as, you know, it has was indicated at Houston. And then again, uh, last night, just big crashes when you're pushing the edge. Number five, I have Jason Anderson. Coincidentally, he got fifth last night. And I think that's just kind of where he is. I think you could make a case for him battling up for the fourth spot, but... Not quite yet. Like, his starts aren't consistent enough. He hasn't really been a podium guy much. We certainly haven't seen a win from him this year. So, I think fifth is the perfect place for him. But I think he's riding really well. I didn't have high expectations at all for him this year. Like, not at all. Uh, but I think he's exceeded that. You know, the, the podium he's got, I, he's shown flashes of brilliance at times. And I think he should be committed to that because ever since he left the Alden Baker program – I think for myself, absolutely, but I think many people kind of circled his name and put a question mark next to it. Was he going to be able to stay at the top level? You know, was his performance going to drop off? And and I think to be fair, you could say it has. He's not the rider that he was in 2018. We haven't seen him really be in the mix to win a race, let alone multiple races. So I think that's fair criticism but on the other hand, I think he should also be commended for staying near that, you know, because once he left that program, I really thought he was gonna drop off severely. I thought he was gonna be a back in the back end of the top ten, battling with Dino, uh you know, that eight through twelve guy, and, and he's he is significantly better than that. So uh, a little bit of criticism, but a little bit of uh commending him too. Now, I have an interview here with uh, Ryan Humphrey from ProGlow Wash that I'm going to uh, tee up here. ProGlow Wash is uh, a product that I use personally, but I didn't know a lot about the science of it. And I wanted to learn more. uh, You know, ProAction Fluids is the parent company for ProGlow Wash, and they are based in Texas. So this was a great opportunity to learn more about it. So, yeah, without further ado, let's, uh, let's hear from Ryan himself. So as promised, we are here in Arlington, and I have Ryan Humphrey with me from Pro Glow Wash, as you guys have heard me uh, telling you all about in recent weeks. So. I wanted to bring Ryan in, and I've been doing this with sponsors of the podcast each week. I've been trying to get with him as I you know, move around the country, and you know, Ryan's in the Texas area, so this was a perfect time for him to kind of explain the origins of ProGlo, give a little bit of backstory, so when you're making your your next choice out there, instead of choosing some you know, other brand, maybe you'll choose ProGlo. So Ryan, thanks for joining us. We are uh, about an hour away from Arlington 3, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to take a minute to talk
1: to you a little bit. Yeah, Jason, great to be here. Um, Longtime fan of moto and Supercross. Uh, grew up uh, doing a lot of riding, not as much racing. Uh, started hit, getting fast enough to hit the ground, and um, so uh, kind of transitioned away from that, but have been a passionate fan and maintained my passion for um, going on now 20 years.
0: Yeah, and that's that's cool. You know, I uh, at first met you, uh, I do a VIP program, and, and you were a part of that, and then it kind of blossomed into what it is now. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the the or, like the like first thoughts that you remember about ProGlo Wash. Um, like, how did the idea even form? I, I know it stems from another business that you're involved in, but I think that's really helpful for people to even understand what the original idea was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, ProGlo developed as a product based on some technology that we were able to derive from another business unit, from our parent company, ProAction Fluid. So we took uh, some technology that we found specifically around cleaning and sanitizing and uh, were able to uh, take and find how we could apply that uh, outside of the petrochemical industry, which is what we were in, and then start looking in how we could apply it in other areas uh, with my passion being uh, power sports, moto, uh, racing go-karts, I race cars, all these things. Um, I took this product and took it home and actually started uh, washing my race car with it, simply enough, and said, hey, this stuff works pretty good. So this started about a year-long development process of me using it uh, myself, uh, my family using it, handing out samples to friends and saying, hey, use this, give me some feedback, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. And um, after about six months, we had nothing but positive feedback. So from there, we felt like we had something that was ready to commercialize.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And, and for me, like one of the things I love about working with companies in this podcast is most of the brands were founded or the originally thought up by someone who had a need for a product or had a way to build a product that they were going to use themselves. Right. Whether you're talking about Progo Wash, whether you're talking about risk racing, it was built by the founder for something that he wanted that he couldn't find across the industry. Right. It was something that to fill a, a need or a hole. And that's kind of how I see Progo Wash, too. You know, when, when I look out at the industry, I, you know, if I go to Walmart, I see, like, Simple Greens and stuff. Those things are not really formulated for the needs that we have, right? They're, they're such a kind of a do-it-all product where, for me, I see Progo Wash as much more endemic in what we're doing, right? It's more about power sports and car racing and motorcycle racing and side-by-sides and stuff like that. And that's really the customer we're reaching with this podcast. So um, when you're, you know, when think big picture now when you're talking about Pro wash and where you think it can go like what what's the i guess the goal right if, if you're like your perfect dream scenario for proglow wash how do you scale this up and where do you see
1: this thing going well, sure. Obviously, right now, we just now started really commercializing it over the last six months. So right now, number one thing is awareness, Let people know the product's out there. And when we talk about something being specially made, ProGlo is not just a typical surfactant. So when we talk about, uh, you know, you mentioned Simple Greens and some of the other cleaners out there, um, those are surfactants. So they're made with a very specific use to go in and remove dirt from a surface what makes pro unique is that it actually has a proprietary blend of products that go into it that actually attack the dirt and carbon that come out of the ground without harming any of the surfaces that are there so with the benefit of that with the other foaming agents and surfactants that are in it you get kind of a two-in-one of breaking down the dirt into smaller uh Particle sizes, if you will, and then the surfactants being able to do their job. So it really makes it unique uh, in it in its. Place out in the in the marketplace right now and kind of being a two-in-one and delivering it there. Now, when we talk about big picture, um, I would love to think that this product continues to grow. Um, we're getting distribution set up every day. We're, we're seeing customer conversions every day. Um, we love interacting with the end users. That That's something that's very big for me, something I hold near and dear to my heart is being able to hear from somebody that's used it. The other really cool thing is that relationship allows us to take and be really nimble. So if somebody comes back and says, hey, I've got a need for this product then, then, I mean, I'll tell right now, just kind of release, we're working on a, uh, a spray wax type product. And I know wax can have a negative connotation, but we've got some neat ways we're going to approach that that are going to make a shine type product. So again, uh, we're going to continue to develop and continue to innovate with the thought being that we have this full line of specially made cleaners targeted towards power sports. And um, don't be surprised also if you start seeing the ProGlo brand out there with some other uh, little bolt-ons as well. We've got some... Um, we've got some momentum going in the kitchen space, for example, on the uh, sanitization side. So again, um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for this product. And uh, I'm really, really pumped up about getting it out there and letting the world know that it's even available. Cool.
0: Well, you know, for me, I think that's the most important aspect of this whole thing is letting people know exactly what's different, right? There are so many competitive products out there that aren't really formulated in in what you're saying. Um, I think they do... For what they're really formulated for, they do okay, right? But they're they're not really targeted to the space that we're in. And for me to, you know, I, I really try to do my best to explain on the podcast what these things are. But I'm not an engineer; I don't know how to formulate a, that any pro any sort of product in that space at all. So to have you on here and to explain exactly what the purpose is and exactly how you go about that, I, I thought that was that was really telling the science behind it because most people are completely uneducated in the space, just like me. I, I if you tell me oh yeah that's going to clean something great that's going to clean something but to understand the science of how you know talking about removing the carbon from it, doing all that that, that's really cool like to understand a little bit more even if it's just the very you're just breaking the surface of understanding it so i guess the the last thing i wanted to cover was for someone to get more information if they were going to go out and purchase it right now what are the
1: easiest ways to get in contact with you if they have more questions or Best case scenario, go purchase it. Absolutely, goproglow.com, go there. We've got a full online uh, service to be able to take and purchase product. Um, continue to look through your local um, distribution channels we're adding those daily getting it into dealerships getting it into places getting it into areas uh, where you can go get it easily but uh, for now uh, goproglow.com. there's some links that will email me directly on there so if you have any questions if you have any ideas uh, please reach out to me we're excited to work with you we love getting the product out there we're again something we're really passionate about uh, the power sports industry and love having a product that we can put out there in front of uh, the, the consumers to be able to have something that is different it's not just your, your go get a foaming wash or go get the cheapest thing this product is very specifically made to target dirt to target mud and uh, does a really great job at it
0: cool well thanks ryan and uh, of course if anybody has questions on this stuff and for whatever reason you forget the email or whatever of course reach out to me and i'll, uh, I'll connect us too so thanks a lot for, for joining us today and thanks for being a part of industry
1: seating absolutely jason love what you do and uh, appreciate the opportunity thanks man
0: So thanks, Ryan, for more information on ProGo Wash and keep an eye out for all the cool products that Ryan mentioned that are coming in the future. Now back to the power rankings. At number four, we have Justin Barsha. And that was a pretty good ride from Barsha, right? I I didn't see that coming. I certainly didn't see him going up and passing Eli Tomac. There was a time there where I thought he was going to go get Roxon. You know, before Webb made his move. Like I was like, man, Barsha's headed to the front here. He could find a way to sneak out a win it was unlikely right sitting in fourth but you could just see how aggressive he was and those other guys were kind of feeling each other out like I didn't feel like anybody was really making their move or wanted to show their cards but Barsha was just flat out trying to get to the front uh didn't work out made some key mistakes at the wrong time that ended up at fourth but a really impressive ride for Barsha you know I think most importantly for Barsha is he's hanging in there right he's keeping this high level of performance deep into the season where last year it really started to drop off. I mean, it, salt, the whole salt Lake residency was a complete disaster for Barsha. I think Atlanta is going to go very well for him. You know, he, uh, technically has property in Georgia. You know, he's, he used to ride at MCF and GPF and all these places. I think he rides this kind of dirt very well that we're going to see in Atlanta. And we could see him do well o- over the course of the next few rounds. I guess my bigger question would be, how will Salt Lake go? Will the gas gas solve the issues he had with the the Salt Lake dirt and altitude last year? So that I, I don't know what that's going to look like, and I, I think he'll be curious to see how that plays out too. I'm just happy to have a competitive Barsha because he adds a lot to the series. You know, he he is an exciting rider to watch, regardless if you like the aggressive stuff that he does, if you care for him, if you if you are a fan or not a fan, it kind of doesn't matter. The entertainment level with Justin Barsha is very high. At number three, I think this these kind of speak for themselves, but I have Eli Tomac. And, I mean, he's he's been good, but this isn't the level that we saw last year, in my opinion. You know, he, he would have, I think he would have made a move and gotten in that battle last year. And, it, and that's kind of been the story of 2021. Even the summer of 2020, he's just a touch off. It's not a 5% deficit. It's just like a 1%. He's just incapable of getting up there and making the move to to get the win. You saw that at Arlington too. I thought he was going to get in there and battle and make it a race with Webb and he just wasn't able to. When push came to shove, Webb had a little bit more. Eli made the mistake and Webb didn't. And that was kind of the same thing we saw at Arlington three, where Tomac was back there. He had an opportunity, but instead of moving forward and getting in the battle with Webb and Roxon, he was he had his hands full dealing with Barsha behind him. So there's nothing wrong with any of this, right? Tomac's still a great rider, still super competitive. He has the number one plate on his bike, but it's just a lesser version of Eli Tomac than what I think, what I believe that we saw in 2020. Like I just have very, very high expectations for Eli Tomac, and I think we're just a touch off that. You know, I've mentioned many times, you know, it's been speculated. I don't know if it's the pressure of that championship coming off his shoulders. I don't know if it's having his first child, right? Priorities change and just where you spend your time, you know, is racing the most important thing in the world anymore? I don't know. I'm sure it's super important, but it just looks like the urgency level is a touch lower than it used to be. And that's just my outside perspective. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but that's, I got to call it like I see it. Number two, I have Ken Roxon and that I feel like that's pretty pretty obvious, but he's he's letting this thing slip away. You know, if you went back to like Indy where he sweeps all three, you're like, damn, like Roxon's for real here. Like he looks really good, and it you know, Webb's gonna have to wrestle this thing away from him if he wants to get it done. And we're just not seeing him able to seal the deal right now. You know, he he looks so great at Arlington 3. He was doing everything right. Goes out, gets the heat race done, he's fastest qualifier, like everything you could ask for, he's just nailing it. Leads the main event, gets the whole shot, like all those things that you would that you would want and then Webb just outduels him again at the end of the race. Like Webb just seems to own him mentally at the end of these races. I've seen it time and time again. Doesn't matter if it's for the win or second place or whatever. Like go back to the Oakland round where, you know, Webb hurt Roxon's foot. Like you just see these late race battles over and over. The Houston round this year where Dino got in the way. Webb comes out on top every time. And I think there's a cumulative effect there mentally where if they get down to late in the race and they're in a mono a mono battle, it just seems like Webb knows he's gonna get Roxon and Webb. Or excuse me, Roxanne almost knows that he's going to come out on the worst side of it. And that sucks because every time it happens, it just cements that feeling and that expected outcome to, you know, every single race is in a vacuum as Steve would love that. But just because something happened one way the last time doesn't have anything to do with this time. Each individual situation is its own dynamic, right? It not the last time has nothing to do with this time, you know? And, and I think that gets really hard to keep in mind, especially if you're Roxen to where you're like, yeah, I don't care that you got me last time. I don't care that you came out ahead of me last time when we were down to a couple laps, I'm going to get you this time. And, and I think that's something that Roxen has to try to keep in mind. And, and that's probably a lot more difficult to do than to say, but I think that's paramount. And this whole thing is he has to enter those situations where, okay, there's five laps left. It's just you and me, Coop. Like one of us is coming out on top and all those other times where you got the best of me, I don't care. You know, like I'm riding better tonight. I have the whoops better than you tonight. I'm a little bit faster in these rhythm sections than you tonight. And I'm going to exploit that. Unfortunately, he didn't do it right. Webb got the best of him, even on top of all those things but i think that's part of the key for roxanne is he has to approach each each situation as its own unique situation he can't let memories of other things you know times that have gone wrong he can't let those enter his psyche and it ha- you know it can't be a preconceived result it has to- or a predetermined result it has to be this time this is going to be different nothing that's ever happened before has anything to do with right now that's just kind of how I see it. And then your first place riders, Cooper Webb. Of course, uh, he wins all three Arlington rounds. Great job from him. He's really taken this series by storm, taking the bull by the horns, whatever cliche you want to throw at it. He has done it, and he should be pumped. He should be really happy with himself. He deserves it. Uh, just incredible effort. You know, this Arlington three round, I felt like he was vulnerable. You know, I was, uh, I was helping NBC spot again uh, last night. And I was speaking with Ricky Carmichael about it, and it just didn't seem like things were coming easy to him at Arlington 3. You know, his qualifying laps were more difficult. He didn't seem as aggressive, wanting to get out front in those time qualifying sessions. And it just seemed like Roxanne maybe had a little bit of an edge with the way the track was. The whoops were difficult. And, you know, Ricky and I both concluded together that this was going to be a tough one. You know, this was. This was going to be one where Webb was going to have to draw on every skill set that he had and and really mentally be strong here to pull out a win. And, and that's exactly what he did. You know, Ricky and I just kind of shook our head at each other because he did it again. He found a way to come out on top when it wasn't coming easy to him. And that's, man, you can't say enough for a guy like that. that that's what championships are made of right there. So now we sit, you know, there's five rounds left. I really like how this shapes up. These these three rounds should be good for Coop. Uh, I think he rides this kind of Georgia clay that we're going to see very very well. I think you know him growing up in North Carolina. I think he's going to be comfortable with the dynamic upcoming and and winning the last three rounds certainly didn't hurt. Right, fifteen point lead. I mean, you're almost needing something to go horribly wrong for Webb. You, you need that big crash that we saw at at Arlington two and the whoops you need a crash like we saw in Arlington last year, right? Where he flips over upside down and flies off the bike and can't race that night. I think that's what you need because I don't like Roxen's chances at Salt Lake. He really struggled there. Yes, there were a couple good rounds at Salt Lake, but overall you can't consider Salt Lake to be a success or a venue that Roxen is looking forward to. I, I don't believe that anyway. I think it certainly lends more towards, uh, Webb's strengths at this point and Webb just doesn't seem to care about pressure. He it doesn't even seem to phase him. So if you give Webb a double digit point lead going into Salt Lake, I think he just laughs and is like, yep, no problem here. So Roxanne's gotta make it happen. I don't man, I, I'm trying to stay neutral, but I don't like his chances here. I, I think this is uh this is Webb's championship to lose and that's very obvious with a fifteen point lead, but I think mentally it's much more critical time right now, and you can just see it in Webb's eyes. Like he knows that he has the mental edge over Kenny. Like you know, like a, a boxer going into the uh, or a UFC fight. Have you ever watched MMA or UFC, and you see a guy get in the ring and he wants nothing to do with that guy? Very quickly, like he just realizes he's overmatched, and he's he's immediately on the defensive. And this is going to date me, but go back to uh, there was a fight between Tito Ortiz and Chuck Odell. This is going back like 20 years ago. And immediately when they rang the bell, Tito Ortiz was like running away from Chuck Liddell. Like he wanted nothing to do with that situation. Now, I don't think it's that drastic, but I think there are a, a couple of parallels there where I just think Kenny is like on his heels right now. Like he doesn't know what to do with Webb because... Webb's just coming at him from every angle, mentally, physically, like Roxon will have him where he wants him in the main event. He'll have him where he wants him in time qualifying. He'll have him where he wants him coming out of a bad heat race where he gets fifth and he gets a bad gate pick. And Webb's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. No problem. I'll see you at the end of this main event and I'll make a move and, and make it stick and, and game over. And it's just like, God, what do I have to do to beat this guy? If you're Ken Roxon? So, I'm going to say it's it's kind of over, and I know that sucks for entertainment value, but I just love what I'm seeing from Cooper Webb. He just has every single aspect of his game on point. You know, he doesn't really have a big weakness right now. The whoops are, are for sure his weakest aspect. You know, if you build big, nasty, difficult whoops to blitz, and you can't jump them, that's tough for Webb to deal with. That is by far his biggest liability. But he was able to overcome that this weekend. You know, these are the toughest ones we've had in a long while, and he was able to overcome it. He was able to find a way to get it done in this in spite of having a weakness on the track right there where where Roxon and Tomac both could exploit it. He just found a way to get it done anyway. I do want to thank Fast Foundry for being a part of this podcast. For your automation needs to make your business more efficient, go to FastFoundry.com reach out to Robert Carrico and the crew over there. I wish I have not seen Robert around at the races lately. He he lives in the same city as me here in Boise, but uh man, he was kind of a mainstay at the supercross races in this whole COVID-19 situation, as well as Adam Insignap being hurt, who he's been a long time supporter of with fast foundry. Uh, he just hasn't been around. So I need to reach out and see if he's going to make any of these final few rounds works connection, go to at works connection on Instagram worksconnection.com, Check out that pro launch start device. Getting those guys out to hole shots. You saw Ken Roxon rip a hole shot with that Pro Launch Start device, as well as Justin Cooper ripping a hole shot with the Works Connection Start device. Use the promo code JT21 to save yourself some money when you do pick up that Pro Launch Start device. Risk racing. Promo code there is JT$. dollar I sign. I was in a dealer in Dallas on Friday and saw a risk racing starting gate at the dealership. That was really cool. It was uh, what, KTM of North Texas. They had a Risk Racing starting gate in stock, so super cool there. Uh, that's my favorite product they have, but they have all kinds of uh, you know, they have fork protectors. They have the lock and load. They have the Ripper uh, roll off system. They have all kinds of cool things that are very unique to the industry. So check out Risk Racing and use that promo code JT dollar sign Six Twelve Suspension. Mention the podcast to get a discount. They are a Race Tech affiliate. They can get you dialed for whatever your needs are. Side-by-side, side, street bike, dirt bike, single track, whatever. Uh, anything that's a, basically a power sports item, they can get you dialed with your suspension and at least getting get it working the way it was built to work. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen guys that they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're messing around with clickers and all kinds of stuff on their suspension. They really screw it up. So at least call Ronnie over there. Go on their Instagram, go on their website, get in touch with those guys and uh, yeah, ask them questions about your setup and and get it dialed in. Premier Vapor Blasting, mentioned the podcast, you will get yourself a 25% discount on all your restoration needs. If you've never seen what they can do, go to at Premier Vapor Blasting on Instagram and see exactly what I'm talking about. They can turn a bike that just looks absolutely hammered. They can make it look new again. And, you know, guys that have listened to this show for a while, know I'm very, very impressed with the work. Cause this, this was a new process for me. Uh, this vapor blasting restoration process was new. I didn't know much about it until I talked with Brandon and the team over there. This, the ways they can bring back and, and they can do it with riding boots. They can do it with all kinds of things. So go on the, go on their Instagram and, and learn a little bit more, but that's a really cool process they have. And, and fairly new as far as uh, technology. Grant Stone Boots, I wear them. I wear them out all the time. I might might try to go to dinner tonight. I'll throw my Grant Stone Boots on. But if you work in an office setting, if you just like to go out on the weekends and you want to look, you know, you want to impress somebody. Get some Grant Stone Boots. I promise you that you won't be be disappointed. Pro Glow Wash, we talked to Ryan here a few minutes ago. The promo code there is MOTO15. And, man, their stuff is just so awesome. Some of the, the terminology and things that he uses in that, You know, that little interview we did, I I have no idea what he's talking about, but you can start to understand the tech and the science and the reasoning behind why you should buy Progo Moto Wash instead of like Simple Green or whatever, whatever you might find at your, you know, your auto store or even the grocery store or Walmart or whatever, right? Progo Wash is specifically designed for what we do. You know, whether it's a car, side-by-side, dirt bike, whatever. Why don't you choose something that's, Customized and specifically built for your need. Last but not least, Fly Racing. Uh, we got that formula helmet out. We are about to launch our kinetic mesh in the coming weeks. So check that out. And I happen to work there too. So thank you to them for uh, being a part of it. Blends Oils, mention those guys too. Uh, they're helping Jerry Robin, who is having a hell of a tough time. But Blends All Oils, great group of people over there. And uh, yeah, thanks to everybody for being a part of this podcast. Last couple of notes. Before we sign off here, I think, I think it's over for Webb. You know, I think he's got this thing locked up, uh, Atlanta. Will it bring any new trends with being an outdoor speedway? I don't know. The only thing I could really see happening is Tomac asserting himself. I think he's too many points out of this thing. You know, championship wise, I think he's, he's already done himself in dug himself too much of a, too deep of a hole. But I could see him reeling off a couple wins just because he rides this type of track very, very well. Sexton, we'll see how he bounces back. You know, thankfully, I don't think he's injured. You know, he's probably pretty beat up, but I think he'll be okay. And I think he's going to continue to get better. Marvin Muscan, I don't know where this is going. You know, if you told me this was Marv's last year, I would not be shocked at that. I don't know that. You know, I'm 100% speculating. But it would not surprise me to see him call it a year. He has, you know, he's been around a long time. I mean, I think he turned pro in 2005 or something like that. So, will, you know, will KTM give him another shot? I don't need. Maybe he even has another year on his contract. I don't know. But uh, you just see when guys have a tough go here, that you could see them packing it in. Justin Brayton may be headed that direction too. Um, as you get older and you continuously get hurt over and over and over it wears you down and you're like i don't need to do this anymore i financially secure getting hurt sucks and i don't really i don't want to severely hurt myself something that's going to you know affect me the rest of my life it just starts to creep into your psyche more and more so keep an eye on that Uh, motocross is going to be the theme for the next few weeks for all these guys if you watch social media their instagram All you're going to see is motocross testing. That's my prediction. Just from, you know, years of experience watching this, this is that time, all the testing and all the focus is going to be on just switching into moto mode. Uh, So Glenn Helen on Thursdays and, you know, Paula on Tuesdays or whatever the, the dynamic is in California, you're just going to see lots and lots and lots of motocross riding, you know, all the 250 East guys, Nichols and all those guys, they've already been motoing down for outdoors. So you're going to see the other guys switch into that mode now too. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, probably won't have a show for the next week or two. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll answer a few questions. We are going to start something cool. We're going to do the ProGlow Question of the Week, and maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll bust that out over the next couple of weekends. Do a short little show, a couple updates if we have any news. But that's that's an exciting development that Ryan and I worked out with uh, Pro Glow. We'll have the Pro Glow Question of the Week, and we will give away a sample pack from Pro Glow each week. So if you want to submit your questions for that. I do have a pretty nice archive of questions built up that I can pull from it. But if you have anything that you want to submit, jason36 at AOL.com. And I will be picking one winner per week. So that will give us something, uh, something to look forward to. And you can keep submitting questions as these races roll out. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week.